freaking auto! This, this is Brock and Saul. Brock Heward and Mark, Matt, Marcus. Sorry about just Mike. 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 Presented by Carter, Volkswagen, and Ballard. On Seattle Sports. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Where's like the buff dudes at? Now here are your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Saul. Every baseball team, Brock, all baseball teams, every one of them have losing streaks. They all do it. They all go through a time during a year where they have a losing streak. Good teams find a way to stop those losing streaks before they get out of hand. That's been something that you just, I mean, it's almost undeniable. When you're a good team, you can lose a few games in a row. It's going to happen to the best of them. I'm sure it's happened to the Braves this year, the Dodgers, et cetera. But can you limit the damage when it starts so that it doesn't snowball and get out of control? The Mariners this year, their longest losing streak is four games, four games, four twice games. in April. Yep. They have not lost four in a row since April. Mm. That's pretty incredible. And some of that is to be expected given their rotation. A lot of it to me is a credit to their guys and their attitude and their hard work and how they don't get down on themselves. I think there's a lot that's very impressive there. But while the Rangers have now lost 16 of their last 19 games, absolute free fall. Yesterday, it looks like they may have lost Adolis Garcia, arguably their best hitter or certainly their best power threat. Is that threat. from him trying to rip off his jersey? It may have been, but he... Is that he, when it started with his oblique? What did he do? What it's do a do? knee. It's, it's a, a knee, knee injury, so I don't know what's going on there. I mean, that's free fall. Yeah. The Mariners have only lost four games twice this year, both times in April. One was the first week of the season. Mm-hmm. Since then, they've lost three a couple of times. But they find a way, and yesterday it was Logan Gilbert and those bats that came out and did their thing, and they beat Cincinnati. Yeah, they lost two out of three in Cincy. That's too bad. But I got to give them some credit. They come out of it okay. Not where you want it to be, but okay. Mike, three simple words. Don't get swept. Right. Those are in 14 years of, of doing this and covering baseball at this level and thankfully being the flagship for for this team and, and for this organization right now in these 14 years at the best spot that they have been in, and, and certainly 90 wins and 90 wins and poised to do it yet again, when you don't get swept, when you just find a way to win one and maybe out on the road, you you, you, you know, you win a series and that Cincy one, golly, you know, you're up three late. That's, that's yours to, to, to be had, but it wasn't. And now you go to Tampa and when you don't get swept, you don't have long losing streaks. And in order to do that, to your point, you've got to have tremendous depth in your rotation, which they do, and it's they've weathered unbelievable storms with injuries. And then you need guys to have career years. Career years. And J.P. Crawford, as much as we have talked about him this season, it is not enough. It is not enough. They don't do that. They don't win and, and, and avoid these streaks, and they don't sit the one game back in the American League West without him this year. There's I mean, no it is, doubt. I mean, what, is what he's done is, is pretty incredible. And, and honestly, trying to get all the bats together yesterday – it was important, I think, heading into Tampa. We got a lot of baseball yet ahead of us, and uh, nice to see our offense uh, continue to roll here the last couple nights. Like I said, Mike Ford got us going. Cal, huge night again. I thought Ty France was much cleaner. Uh, really good at bats, taking some walks early, uh, running the pitch up on their, up on their starter was was big tonight too. So uh, again, you know, you're going to have those valleys a little bit. Uh, nice to see our guys come out. Uh, we got to the ballpark, very focused today, ready to go. We needed to get this win tonight, and we got it done. 
Whew, time is ticking, though, man. There's <laughs> just a little over 20 games, you know. There is a lot of baseball. That still is a lot of baseball. But for, you know, those of us following it and watching so intently and into every pitch, you are coming down to the final uh, almost 10% of the season. 20, 23 you know? games? Is that what it is? That's what it is. I think there are 23 so. games left to go. Pretty incredible. But you also look at it, Brock. They've got a positive 105 run differential which is yep. incredible. They have the number, I said this earlier, the number 10 offense in baseball. I I, I, I looked that up yesterday because I was just kind of curious based on all the runs they'd been scoring recently. All right, where are they? Mm-hmm. They're 10th in mm-hmm. baseball in runs scored That's per crazy. game. That doesn't include park factor. It's, you know, it, it doesn't look at your strikeout issue that I know you're concerned about. It just looks at how mm-hmm. many runs you're scoring per game. And they're 10th in baseball, right between the Reds and the Phillies, two teams that play in arguably, what, five five of the two of the top five ballparks for hitting Mm -hmm. and the Mariners play in the worst one. I mean, like those things are are actually pretty darn impressive. And when you combine it with the pitching staff that they have, it shows you again, baseball's played over 162, et cetera. Interesting that the team right behind them is that Cincinnati team. How would you feel about rooting for that Cincy team instead of the Mariners? Well, what do you think it would be like to root for that team every day instead of this team every day? What do you think? That I think would I did like? that. Yeah, I think I did that. I think I did that like in the mid nineties. I think I rooted exactly for them when there was a, a Griffey and, and then there was an A-Rod and then they hit the ball all over the place and they scored and, and maybe not as athletic as this crew is. No offense to little Joey Cora and, all, you know, the scale and the rest of them because this Cincy team has got some freak shows. But I watch that. I, I, you know, they couldn't pitch. They didn't have a rotation that, <laughs> in any resemblance of, of the Mariners in, in this era and in, in this leadership. But it's it's pretty fun when you got guys that on any given day can just do some unbelievably what, spectacular. That'd be a pretty things. fun team to watch and root for every day. But I think the pitching would drive you insane. And so, it, to me, I, I I bring it up only because I think it's an interesting debate. They're built exactly the opposite of each other. Right, The Reds are built in a hitter's ballpark. The ball flies out of that place. It is tough to watch. Some, you know, Watch your team with a lead late in that ballpark, that's for sure. So they built it mm-hmm. with a lot of athletes and a lot of power, a lot of guys who can hit. Their pitching staff's pretty iffy, right? I mean, it's, it's certainly your, your bullpen is iffy and the rest of that staff's iffy. And some of that is because of the ballpark they play in, which is going to make it harder to pitch there. The other side of it is the Mariners, who were built with unbelievable young pitching, some hitting, but the hitting gets kind of depressed a little bit and deflated mm-hmm. by the ballpark they play in every day. They're like polar yep. opposites, like mirror images of each other. Yep. The good news for this team in this city is the bats are on the way. Right? As Jeff Passon told us two weeks ago, the Harry Fords and, and some of your young dynamic bats and, and some of your draft capital over the last few years, you built it with those arms first and foremost. You knew the foundation in 19 of, of how you were going to do this. For all of those various reasons, you just said right there, I don't know, Cincinnati have the arms coming? Is the Mariners have the bats coming? Because if you can put those bats together with these arms together, you're looking at a whole lot of fun yeah. for the next decade or We're so. We're going to talk about this a little bit more detail later, but I, I got to jump in here, Brock, and switch gears for a minute and just ask you about the Jamal Adams news from yesterday. It, it kind of went under the radar a little bit. So they end up signing or restructuring with Jamal, oh. right? 
Uh-huh. So you saw this yesterday, right? So they re- oh, I did. They uh-huh. restructure with Jamal. A bunch of guys. Yesterday was like the a, a day where the end of the fifty-one player cap, right. or you know, just some machination in in your finances. So they, so. they 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 knock his salary cap hit down to like six and a half million dollars this year. Great. Mm-hmm. His new cap hits for the next two years now are twenty-seven and twenty-eight million. They pushed money down the road on Jamal. Do you understand yeah. that? No. Okay, so it's confusing to you too. Spot track <laughs> yes, says there's an bit. out next year, but with a twenty-one million dollar cap hit, almost twenty-one. And wasn't it going right. to be a lot lower than that? Like I thought it was supposed to be at like twelve or something next 12. year. Mm-hmm. I don't know why that number mm-hmm. stuck in my head. It's not like I memorized these things, but I don't know. I just saw right. that yesterday. I don't know exactly what it means, and and I'm not criticizing because I I obviously don't fully understand it. But it sure jumped out to me as surprising, and I don't know if they think this means that Jamal's going to be around long term. But how would you make that decision without having seen him play in over a year? Yeah, it's good. Those are all good, fair questions. Right. I, I think it, it, it's one of these that you better be careful to not jump to a definitive conclusion because they do move these things around. This cap can be somewhat pliable. Does this mean a move could be looming? Does this mean maybe a defense tackle or an offense tackle or an offense line? Right? I mean, they've sure talked, John and Pete, this week about big people, big humans, and the need for them still. So, you know, I'm not jumping to that conclusion. I'm not jumping to now Jamal's going to be here forever. But it certainly was, to your point, a bit curious that he was the one that you restructure mm-hmm. to free up some cap space now sitting at about $10 million on the books if that dry powder you need yeah. has a move to be made. Well, we'll uh, find out whether or not it does, I would think, sooner rather than later. In fact, I think what happens tonight may play a role in that. We'll discuss and everything you need to know next on Brock and Sulk. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. Well, always good to get the bleeding stopped. They needed to do it yesterday. The Mariners did exactly that. The 10th best scoring offense. Yes, 10th best scoring offense in baseball. Went to work. They scored eight runs. They did so with a complete team effort. And again, the 2-2 to Crawford. Swinging a well-hit ball deep to right field. Way back and goodbye baseball. J.P. Crawford. With his 15th home run of the season, it's a three-run home run here in the top of the fourth. And it's now the Mariners' six and the Reds' one. How about that? Multi-hit nights from Cal and Teo and Gino and Franz. Bombs from Mike Ford and Cal and JP, who you just heard there. Cal Raleigh, pretty impressed with the way their offense worked yesterday. Yeah, it's the hitter's part for sure. And, you know, they're a really good team. You know, they're young, they're exciting, they're fast, they got some power. Um, you know, they can beat you different ways. So we knew they'd come out and swing it tonight. And, you know, we got on the guys' fastball and, um, you know, big fourth inning for us to kind of uh, help us out a lot. Yeah, nice win for them. Logan Gilbert gave them most of what they needed. Brock, if there was one one sort of problem yesterday is that you used all of your top relievers again. Brash and Spire and Topa and Munoz all through. I get it. On one hand, Scott trying to make sure you win that game before you leave Cincinnati. And as you said, don't get swept. But man, it puts you in a bit of a hole heading into a four gamer with Tampa. Well, it's awfully nice that uh, you have the Rock and Kirby then. Let's go. Right. I think you said this one of the first times this season where you made it all the way through the rotation and nobody went six innings. Right, you went, you went all the way through those guys, and, and now it's time for them to step up. Luis has stepped up in these moments this year. When they needed him to hit innings, he threw to contact and pitched to contact. And, and 
you know, that's a, maybe a little dangerous with this Rays team, who is also red hot and, and still fighting for the American League East, three games behind Baltimore in that race. But now, all right, Luis, this is why they traded for you last year. This is this is these these are the moments, and this is typically when he shines the greatest. Both he and George got to get it going and and give that bullpen, as you said, a couple days to maybe rest. That's why Houston and Texas both traded for old pitchers. They pl- battled against each other yesterday. Scherzer and Verlander, the oldest matchup I think they said in the history of baseball between two starting pitchers. First since what was it? Oh, come on. When Necro and Gaylord got after it, come Gaylord. on. It was Necro. It was Phil Necro and Don, Don Sutton? Sutton. Is that who it was? Yeah. Yeah, I thought I read that yesterday. Very interesting. Anyway, it ended the same way every other game has ended in this series with the Astros just battering the Rangers. Oh, my God. They uh, destroy them yet again. The Rangers have lost 16 of 19. They might have lost to Dolis Garcia. Mariners one game behind Houston, two up on Texas, who's actually now behind the Blue Jays out of a playoff spot. As you should know, Jared Kelnick with a great night last night. Two doubles and a home run. That should make things real interesting in the future, maybe next week. Mariners, as we said, start that one in Tampa tonight. Here's the second thing you need to know. Pretty good news on the injury front yesterday for the Seahawks. Jamal Adams, Kenny McIntosh, the only ones unable to practice, so that's great. A bunch of them were limited, including Morris and Hall and Taylor, and yes, Devin Witherspoon. I just had a few plays. He did fine. He he made it through, and he's ready to go today. He wants to get out there and uh, and take a lot more uh, work, so we'll see. Is he suited to play? You know, physically, can he endure, you know, and, and all that? Um, so, and it's a it's a hammy that's it's had you know two shots at it over the last few months and stuff. So we gotta be careful with it. Make sure that we get him back and uh, he can trust that he can go. You know, he's a really fired up kid. He's not gonna hold back. He's not gonna measure how he goes. And so we gotta make sure that he's right. And so uh, we'll see how the week goes and, and we'll just determine it later on. Pete taking a little page out of Scott Service's book there on the monosyllabic words. He's fine. <laughs> he wants to play. <laughs> Really emphasizing, emphasizing those. You know, he he being Pete so badly wants to see this guy. If there was anybody in that war room, and I know John and the entire scouting department loved, mm-hmm. loved Devin Witherspoon. And if they didn't take him at five, he'd be playing for the Lions tonight. And in, in the in the kickoff to the NFL, they would have taken him at number six. But Pete wants this guy back out there. It is about now. Hey, as he said, you've gotten two strikes. A third one may put you out for most of the season, and we are not going to do that here in September. Yeah, good news, fortunately, on the Jackson Smith and Jigba front. Their other first-round pick is going to play. According to Pete, he hasn't even said anything about his wrist, so he is about as healthy as he could possibly be heading into this, considering he just had wrist surgery. Pretty amazing. For the Rams, not so great. Cooper Cup officially ruled out. Matt Stafford hasn't thrown a pass in a real game in, what, a year? He didn't play at all during the preseason. Things can change real quick. And then, uh, let's see, we talked about Jamal Adams and the savings they've made for this year on the cap space front, but it's going to hurt them maybe the next couple of years, I'm surprised. And then how about the captains, Brock? Gino and Tyler on offense. Okay. Bobby and Quandre on defense. Makes sense. Nick Ballore on special teams. Yep. And Jason Myers. Sure. How often are kickers? Not often. Not often. That's a testament to his consistency, continued growth, and I think the guys on that team that really enjoy him and the job that he does get done. Yeah, I would think if you're a kicker and you get voted on as a captain, you must be a pretty interesting dude to be around. 
Here's the third thing you need to know. Hey, and guess what? There's some actual NFL football tonight. Seven months since that Super Bowl, we will get our first taste of NFL action tonight. Kansas City and Detroit. Are the Lions actually going to be legit contenders like everyone seems to think they are? I don't know. We'll wait and get a first view of it tonight. I'm going to be rooting for the Chiefs, mostly because I want them to think they can do it without Chris Jones so that they can yep. trade him. Yeah, especially in this one, as Dan Orlovsky said, Detroit, the most dominant, one of the most dominant offensive lines in the league. Something to totally hang your hat on. So how dominant are they? How much can they push these Chiefs around? Remember, not just Chris Jones is out the door. Frank Clark's the Denver Bronco. Mm-hmm. So they moved on from some of those pieces in their front. This is going to be fun, man. This is more than hope for Detroit. This is hype. And I can't remember in my lifetime. The last time the Detroit Lions had this much hype and attention going into the season Seems and weird. doing it at the line of scrimmage will be their calling card if they get it done. Detroit Lions, really hard to fathom. Nick Bosa is uh, going to be with the Niners, as you would have expected. He signs a five-year, $170 million extension yesterday. That's everything you need to know. Quarter past every hour here on the Brock and Salt Show. Say those numbers again. Yeah, that's just uh, 150 mil. No or 170, excuse me. Five years, 170. Yeah. 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 yeah, it's just five years, 170. Some of those old defensive players, man, they are just dying. The Bruce Smiths of the world and those guys. And they made huge coin in their day, but over 30 million per year average. Wowzers. But when your league makes $20 billion in revenue and it gets split amongst everybody and yeah. they're all making a ton of dough, then, yeah, spread it around, spread it around. And the, there's there's a lot of money that NFL makes, and some of it's got to go back out to the players. And it's certainly doing it, and he's one heck of a player. So I'd be curious. Do you think he plays week one? Like, Can he like sign that deal, play Sunday? Probably, right? Have you seen him? Have you looked at his body before? I'm going to guess he'll be okay. Yeah, I think he's, he's going to be just yeah. fine. <laughs> I think he's probably been doing the curls for the girls. That's yeah, maybe even, right. maybe even more than just the curls. All right, uh, a little funky today. We're going to talk to Mark Sanchez, but just due to some timing, uh, we're going to talk to him at seven forty-five. As you know, that's normally when we do Blue eighty-eight. So, going to switch it. We're going to do Blue eighty-eight next. Omaha, Omaha, I got three good. I got three good football questions Blue for Brock, 24. and then uh, Mark Sanchez, <laughs> who's got the game this weekend. Right after that, it is Brock and Salk as Brock screams and yells easy, here on easy. Seattle Sports. Omaha, Omaha. On 710. You're listening to Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Brock, question for you from the 253. Did your teammates ever ask you to yell out anything strange in your pre-snap cadence? Ah. (laughs) Like Like in Wildcats? <laughs> yeah. Um, that ever happened? No, I don't think so. No. That's pretty funny, though. Not even in high school? <laughs> oh, man. We were working on I think part of the reason Cadence was on my mind is this football thing. I'm telling you, this coaching, it is just I'm, – I'm, I'm no longer telling you and more and Justin everything because I don't want you to think I'm distracted. All right? I, think, I already think you're distracted. I'm focused on the show. I'm focused on no, Iowa, Iowa no, State. No, you're not. I'm focused on Cincinnati. No. On to Cincinnati. You Zero distracted me right before we came back from break. Yeah, what you're, are you not, you're not. You're not. You're not. You're not interested in any of those things. <laughs> yes, I am. No, you're not. Yes, I am. No, but at two forty-five a.m. last night, did I wake up Brock. dead awake, staring at the ceiling, wondering Brock. why can't these kids get on the right cadence? It's pretty easy. First sound. Okay, get your butts lined up. First sound. So, and for our cadence, it's ready. So go. Okay. So that's on one. 
Hey, say go. First sound. Ready. And then, of course, the inevitable on two. Ready. Say go. Go. Is it that hard? Yes. And Jackson jumped off every time. Oh, and Tate out there can't get lined up. Oh, these poor coaches. Now Brock, I know why I they're to, all sick in the head. I need you to stop chasing babies and focus on what you're actually doing here because there's some more what? important things in life. Right what? now I'm going to ask you three good football questions. Blue we call it. Blue blue. Yeah, that's what we call it. This is Brock and Sox Blue 88. Blue 88! We take you to the field as Brock Heward breaks down three football questions as only he can. Now here's your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Saul. I had the height, I had the hands, I had the cadence, I had a lot of tools. I know. What happened to you? Titus asked me that every once in a while. Such an overthinker, man. Dad, Such an overthinker. Why did Uncle Damon play 12 years and you only played six? Because you have to play for Mike Holmgren. Question number one. Brock, uh, Pete said they restructured Jamal Adams yesterday. We kind of talked about what exactly all of that means. But what does it mean for this year? Is that in order to get something done? Ooh, let me hear the great Pete Carroll. Because you and I... Okay, maybe not when it comes to cadence and focus. Maybe we're different. But you and I are alike in a lot of ways. And I think now John and Pete basically complete their sentences. Because yesterday, Pete Carroll, he went out to that tree garden. It sounded a lot like his buddy, John Schneider. They're not growing on trees out there somewhere. You know, they're they're just everywhere, you know. And it's not, they're hard to find. And everybody knows that when you got one, you got to keep them. So uh, there, there isn't a lot. You know, what I'm really fired up about is that Mike Morris is back on the practice field. Cam made it back uh, last week, and Mike is ready to go. Um, we were really excited about Mike coming back, and I, I don't feel like we need to go anywhere if we can get those guys playing, you know. And um, But we've been, just as always, we're always looking and competing, And but there has not been, you know, like a list of guys that you can choose from. <laughs> That's not happening. So he's talking about big humans. Uh, basically everything in life in football comes back to, to large human beings at the line of scrimmage. Offensive line, in this case, defensive line. Kind of reminds me of the Manning cast. Uh, the little promo videos they've been putting out is they're going to announce who their third partner is, and they're hilarious. Right? And different people walk through the door. And Salk, I could have 25 high school kids walk in, 6'4", 300 pounds, <laughs> and they walk through the door. I mean, seriously, you measure them, height, weight, 6'4", 300 pounds. And they walk in, you're like, ooh, that's not the 6'4", 300 I'm looking for. <laughs> ooh, that's not really the 6'4", 300. What Pete is saying there to you is there's just not a lot of, like, the 6'4", 300 that are Dwayne Brown that look like they're 220 and run like it and bend like it and move like it. They're just very difficult to find. Now, do I think them moving some Jamal Adams money around gives them and, and they want to afford the opportunity or, or be a veil if and when somebody does become available, mm-hmm. but they've got the cap space to do it, yeah. I think it is for that line of scrimmage, and in particular, still, that defensive line. When John Schneider said to, to Bob and Wyman the other day, yeah, we're about 85%, you know, a roster 85, 90%. You know, that means if somebody does, over the first few weeks, become available, maybe if a veteran sitting out there or a trade partner does come to fruition, you've got to have that dry powder ready to make that move. All right, question number two. KJ was the great prognosticator yesterday, Brock. Which one do you not buy? Probably this is going to surprise most people, but this is the one that if I'm betting against, I'm betting against. Here was KJ with us yesterday. He's going over that. He's going over. 
DK, Tyler, and Jigba, Noah Fant, offensive line, a good run game to open up stuff more over Geno Smith. He's got the over over on 4,200 yards. Yeah, I'm going to take the under on that for a couple reasons. Number one, just the likelihood that you play every single snap once again. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like a major league starting rotation. Look at it. Look around the NFL last year. How many guys played every snap for their football team? Not a many. And Geno did. So is there going to be something, some up in the row? Maybe it's a half of a game. I don't know. Is there going to be a game where he's limited with a shoulder or a rib and they're going to have to just pound the football and get out of it? So that's number one, a hell. But number two, exactly to KJ's second point, you're going to have a more developed run game. You did this with a rookie last year in K-9 that had to find his way, hit his stride, then got little bumps and bruises. Well, when he goes down, you've now got his replacement in a Zach Charbonnet. It should not have to fall off stylistically. So... I think they're going to be able to pound that ball a little bit more. I think the efficiency can be... Now, if the question was 100.5 efficiency over-under, I'm going to bet the over. I think he can be even more efficient than he was a season ago, cutting those interceptions. But yards? Are we talking about yards? Yards? You're not buying yards, huh? I'm not buying. That's Brock, that's the least important yards. to me of all, all of those. Right. Question number three. Uh, you and I both heard this yesterday and reacted. Here is... DK Metcalf talking about his first impressions of Jake Bobo. Pull my iPad and watch, uh, you know, some of the competition periods of seven on seven, and I just seen this white kid getting open every play. <laughs> like I called up to, to Tyler, I'm like, who is this? Who is number nineteen? He said, <laughs> Oh, this Bobo man, he's a tall receiver. I was like, Okay. And I, then I got up here and I seen the way he ran routes and the way he practices. He practices hard, harder than me. Like he's more detailed. And I ever will be. Um, and I use that as motivation to practice harder and make sure I'm honing in on more details because he's doing all the little things right. Um, and, you know, he's reaping the benefits of it because he's very consistent. Every time he lines up on the field, you have to know where 19 is. That's just what I'm going to say. There's a lot there. There's a lot to unpack there, isn't there? And you and I have the exact same name pop into our head. Malcolm Gladwell. People ask me occasionally, hey, you got a good book to read? Or I'll ping some of my friends. Hey, anything you're liking? David and Goliath, written by Malcolm Gladwell, one of my favorites, right? It's one I still recommend to people. And based the, the, you know, the basic essence of it, and Gladwell is a psychologist in his background, he's done a whole lot of sports psychology, great guy, a tremendous author. He talks about in David and Goliath that at times your greatest weakness, perceived weakness, can actually be one of your great strengths. And then, you know, your great strength that you get away with can lead like the uh, Davids to all of a sudden knock you down. Mm-hmm. Jake Bobo, DK Metcalf, side by side. <laughs> Remember that whole Manicast interview process? They walk in the door, right? And you look at them and, and you run them and you jump them and you do all these things. And you're like, yeah, yeah, I'll take that, uh, that DK guy 100 <laughs> out of 100 times. But because of that, Jake Bobo knows. I can't run like that. I can't move like that. So I have to maximize every last little detail of my game, of my study, of my science, of my body, of my routes. And I know what you were thinking because I was thinking it too. Well, what if DK did that? Right. What if DK had that same exact approach? What if he went about it as if he ran a 499 and not a 43? What if he had that same unbelievable focus on attention to detail? Hard to do that, man. Mm-hmm. Hard for guys of that skill set and that 
you know, I think I've told this story before of, of one of the real estate buildings that our company built. And by the way, that's Blue 88. This music's going to fade out because I know you and I wanted to talk to uh, yeah. about this in more depth and Sanchez here in just a minute. But it was on this little tiny lot. So downtown Seattle, First United Methodist Church sits down there. It's by Columbia Tower, if you think about it, down there by Cherry Union. And uh, there was only like one-fourth of this lot available for the development of a, of a high-rise. It's like, well, what are we going to do with that? Like, you can't develop a high-rise. You can't make it scale. You can't make it work. And it's like, well, you could look at it that way. Or, you know what? You could actually look at the weakness of it and say it gives us the opportunity to design mm -hmm. something not done downtown. And that's actually come out over and have these, you know, diagonal, you know, concrete and just this beautiful beautiful structure that was if it had the traditional full lot you would not have designed it that way you wouldn't have had to but because you didn't you had to come up with some new fancy ideas and yeah that was uh, a little david goliath in real estate and old yeah, you, mr bobo and dk is a little david and goliath in football it's funny yeah there are times where you and i really go in the same direction I, and i read that yesterday and then i heard the sound from dk and yeah my initial reaction was like man I can't, it's hard to fathom admitting that somebody works at practice harder than you. Yeah. Right? Like, oh, yeah, that guy works harder than I ever will. He's much more detailed than I'll ever be. Like, those things are hard to hear. I, I'm not going to lie. Like, I, as someone without that much talent, you, you, you can't help but get frustrated. God, I went to high school with a kid named AJ who, uh, who was part of his, he was part of a big basketball family. His dad uh, was, uh, or his grandfather, rather, was uh, Al McGuire. Oh, yeah. Right. And then Old his market coach. Yep. yep. So his AJ was uh, his grandson. I played with him. And he was tall and could shoot the lights out. And he just, you know, gifted basketball players, you might imagine, growing up in that family. And he just, you know, wouldn't go inside, wouldn't take any contact. He was a couple years younger than me. He drove me freaking crazy. I would have paid any money amount of, any amount of money in the world to have AJ's talent in basketball. And I didn't have it. And I would go down, and he was taller than me, and I probably tripled his rebounds on the year. Oh. But he could shoot the three and all that, and, you know, he would play. But, God, was he ever frustrating. Not because he didn't work hard, although he didn't work that hard, but yep. because he was just so afraid to go inside. It was so frustrating. Yep. And this is – I'm not saying DK's afraid of anything, but I can understand, you know, looking at it and going, geez, man, if you just did this, DK's not that guy. Mm -mm. That is not who he is, and I don't nope. need him to be that. He needs to be creative. He needs to be strong. Like the time that he spends in the gym, working on the speed, working, it's just a different amount of time. There's only so much time in the day. Yep. I don't need him to be as detail oriented as Jake Bobo. I need Jake Bobo to do all of those things in order to get over the fact that he's never yep. going to have DK's athleticism. Yep. Yeah, it's a great book. It's it's a great, great read on many different topics. It made me look at something in David and Goliath that I've heard, I don't know, a hundred times. It made me look at that story a little different because old David, yeah. Yeah, he could whip that stone around pretty, That's for pretty, sure. pretty good. All right. Hey, Hawks Live back for another season. You can join Michael Bumpus, of course, tomorrow starting, at, or rather tonight, rather. Excuse tonight, me. Tonight, Hulk. starting at 7 o'clock at Bellevue Square Center Court. Live broadcast and a preview of this week's game, plus a, vi a visit from... Zach Charbonnet, who is going to be there to hang out a little bit. That's uh, tonight at 7 o'clock at Bellevue Square Center Court. Learn more at seattlesports.com slash events. Let's talk to the guy who's going to be calling this game on Sunday. Mm. That would be Mark Sanchez, who takes a few minutes to join us. Good morning, Mark. How are you? 
Good morning. How are we doing, gentlemen? I just dropped off a little man for school. He's ready for Thursday. Nice. Oh, that's really good because the last guest we had on yeah. that was dropping somebody off, Mark, about this time didn't go well. Bert Breer. Yeah, Albert Breer trying to oh, drop no. his son off at like fishing camp and his son's like dog cussing him in the yeah. co-pilot seat. And- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was not. A, it was. Awesome. It was not a good scene, man. Hey, uh, t- tell me what what did you see, and how much time as you prep for game one this Sunday? How much time do you watch the Seahawks preseason football to get yourself ready to go for the regular season game one? Yeah, I think a lot of it. Just like when you're preparing as a player, week one is. Uh, you know, I've, I've used this line before, but a, a dirty little liar like your ex girlfriend or boyfriend because. Uh, you never know what to expect, right? And and it, teams win week one, and they shouldn't. You know, and then they lose the next 15. Shout out Houston 2001. Like, it's it's a weird week, and everybody's trying to find, like, their edge. So, for me, it's, okay, let me get really uh, acquainted with these players. I, I want to know who's back, who's back in Seattle, like Bobby Wagner, Jaron Reed. You know, why did they sign Julian Love? I want to know questions like that. Because the game's going to kind of take care of itself. It's not going to be as much scheme. I'm going to see a lot of the scheme as the weeks play out. But week one, I just want to know who's who in the zoo. And so basically that's what the preseason film is for me. Uh, but beyond that, I mean, you could tell Seattle's revamped and brought back some guys that um, that were big-time players for them in Jaron Reed and Bobby Wagner. And I think the signing of Julian Love was huge because – it gives them a little freedom. It looked a little weird maybe in the offseason, but it gives them some freedom with Jamal Adams so he can come back at his own pace and then gives them a ton of freedom if they got Quandre Diggs, Julian Love, and Jamal Adams in the game at the same time. You can play some of that big nickel stuff where Jamal Adams is free to run around in the box and make some plays where he's been really effective. So those are the kind of things I look for uh, and just – just seeing where guys line up, making sure I know the right numbers and last names and making sure I'm ready to rock on Sunday. All right, be careful, though. Don't say big nickel to Pete when you get into your production meeting. I made that mistake <laughs> a few years ago, and Pete was like, uh, you don't know what you're talking about, which he was correct about. But, uh, yeah, he he gets a little sensitive about the term big nickel. So just a little warning before you jump in there. I mean, what does he like to call it? Oh, later Large he called nickel? it a big nickel, but yeah. he doesn't like it when I call yeah. it the big nickel. No. So you just you got to be Yoda. a little careful. You know, that's how it is. Well, I'll steer, I'll steer clear of that. Uh, well, actually, Actually, call it Mike Salk's big nickel. Yes, yeah, see how that goes. <laughs> yeah, really like that. What do you make of forty-three? I think it's forty-three percent of the players on this Seahawks team are first and second year guys. Is that over the course of a year an advantage or a disadvantage? Well, I think it's an advantage for the Seahawks because their players that are second-year players have a ton of experience. Think about the two tackles that played last year. Think about Reek Woolen. Think about Kobe Bryant. I mean, those guys played a ton of snaps and we have some incredible graphics uh alluding to that i don't want to give away all of our special numbers and that's more of a kugler department but kugler is going to wow you with some of these numbers and the snap counts that these guys have had and so yes second year players but you know it's interesting because everybody's like oh it's the youngest roster in the league and i'm like okay what does that mean okay well most players under 25 well i don't care if he's 25 or 24 or 23 i want to know how much football he's played I want to know how many reps he's had under center in this system with this coordinator. Think about Geno Smith getting a second year with this same coordinator in Waldron. I mean, those reps really matter, you know? And so I don't really care how old you are necessarily. I just want to know how much time you've had on task with this same group. And you can tell that's that's been the push here for Coach Carroll. So I think it's an advantage 
having these um, these second-year players that have all that experience under their belt. I'm going to guess one of the graphics Coogler in Nebraska came up with was, man, this was the 30th-ranked rush defense. You guys called a bunch of their games last year, right? A, a bunch of them yeah. where they couldn't stop the run. And to me, it's not even the gross yards. It's the yards per carry that are so disturbing, as the opponent oftentimes could dictate by running the ball how much of your eyes and your attention defensively will be on that first and foremost against the Rams. Well, I think that's where, you know, the Jaron Reed signing comes from. I think that's where, hey, bring Bobby Wagner back. Let's get a big thumper in the run game. Let's sound up some of that run game because the secondary looks solid. Uh, if we can slow some of these teams down. And that's the thing, like, to go from whatever they were ranked last year, you said 30th or something. 30th. Just get to, like, just get to, like, 15. Just get to, like, 12. And think about how different your season would have been. And I make that same comparison, and I'm, jump into the next topic maybe, but with Geno Smith, because you look at his interceptions last year, and Brock, you understand this as a quarterback, like he threw 11 picks, right? So if you could just get him to make like three or four better decisions, well, when you break down the picks, there were five on first down. One of them was on the first play of the game against the Rams, but on first down, like if you could just eliminate a couple first down interceptions, I mean, and then run the ball a couple times, and you eliminate those five picks, and now he throws. You know, now he's only throwing six interceptions all year. That he's going to be at the top of the league for taking care of the football. You know what I mean? So there's like so much room for these guys to grow. I think it's whether it's stopping the run game or Geno Smith improving at quarterback. Like, there's so much meat on the bone with this team. I'm, you know, if I'm a Seattle fan, I'm fired up. That's all I know. How are you feeling if you're a Rams fan? We, we've been obviously talking about the Seahawks nonstop for however many months now, but this Rams team. No, not are, you guys. I know, right? <laughs> Is this Rams team sleeping or are they a sleeper? What are they? No, listen, I think there's there's just a lot of question marks. I think it starts up front, right? There's five guys up front on offense on the offensive line. I love three of them right away out of the gate with the left uh, tackle. No boom. I love the center. In Allen, and I love the right tackle on Havenstein. And then it's okay, what are we doing at the guard spot? It looks like the rookie Avila could potentially start at left guard at a TCU. That's going to be a big jump, you know, playing against a tough defensive line, playing against Bobby Wagner, you know, mugging up in the A gap. I mean, that's, that's a real deal. And he's going to feel it every week as a rookie, as an offensive lineman in this league. So that's a big jump for him. Plus, the, I think the, um, the change in system, right? Going from more of a spread, Sonny Dykes type system to, you know, get under center, drop back, you know, quarterback's going to turn his back to the defense and get in some of those seven, eight-step footwork for play action stuff. That's totally different. And then at right guard, it looks like they have a little competition between uh, Ankrum and um, and the kid they just signed from, uh, oh, my gosh. Uh, I'll get the names. From Seattle, on, or know from, the players. Uh, Mark, know the players. Mark, Mark, we, Mark, we don't have any idea who it is. I, I pro- you can make it up. You're talking about a backup Rams guard? I promise you no, we no, don't no. know who it is. No, because he, Will he, Shields. he's going to play, I think. He came from Pittsburgh. Okay. So um, they just picked him up. So we'll see. We'll yeah. see how it works up front. I think that's going to be a big deal. And then when you're out, your star players, and that was the story of last year, right? Your, your big three for the Rams, Matt Stafford, Cooper Cup, Aaron Donald. I mean, those guys missed a ton of time last year combined. And it's, you know, what are we going to do here? So a lot of their young guys got some reps last year. Hopefully that works in their favor. But uh, they just didn't have the experience that the Seahawks had, right? Seahawks had young players getting experience and winning games and getting in the playoffs. They know what the playoffs feel like. 
I mean, that is, I mean, they're, they're light years ahead of other players at their second year. You're, spot, kind, of, you're so. kind of fired up for these Seahawks. I can kind of, I can kind of tell. Well, I mean, you got to be unbiased. Well, I mean, if it was an LA station, I'd uh-huh. probably be a little, you know, heavier. <laughs> rim, I think. Hey, when you go and see Pete, okay. So you'll fly into town. You'll have your probably go watch practice production meeting. I remember the first time I went back, Mark, to Aylin junior high. Like I was older and I went back to junior high and I'm like, wow, that's weird. Miss Perry's like 4'10". Like, wow, you know, they, these, these people are so much different than when I was there. When you go and see Pete and you look at him and you watch him on the field, do you just chuckle that he's like Benjamin cool. Button? Like he's not aged or changed at all in 15 it's years incredible. since he played for him. I saw him running around this offseason in Hawaii with his shirt off and uh, he's got his whole family out there and we're randomly in the same place uh, vacationing. And uh, I was just like, of course you're here. Of course you're surfing. Of course you're, you know, doing as much activity as anybody on the island. Of course. Like, why wouldn't you? And uh, he just wouldn't have it any other way. And then the only other time I laughed, I couldn't stop laughing. And I sent it to just about everybody I know is when he was throwing those balls in the offseason and somebody caught him and threw it off online and he's just dropping back and they made that quarterback montage of him just like dicing up the scout team defense in a walkthrough i'm like come on man <laughs> it looked pretty good though man my, my guy can sling and he's got two gloves and he still slings it why did you choose to go play for him oh gosh at that time um you gotta understand carson palmer just won the heisman um liner had just won the heisman uh, Coach Ogeron was recruiting me, so I don't know how you say no to that guy. Right. Uh, and then well, basically, because you didn't understand what he was saying to you, right? You're like, I don't know what this guy's saying, but it sounds great. <laughs> oh, he is the best. He is the best. And then, um, uh, let's see. Sark was Sark was going to take over for Norm Chow. Mm. Uh, basically, if you're in Southern California and you're a quarterback, it's like there's it's a no brainer. If SC wants you, you know, sign the paper and and get on with your life and and have a ball as a Trojan. So. Um, it, it was just, he's such a special guy and such a unique personality in which he can have 10 million things going on at one time. And when you talk to him, you feel like you're the only thing and you're the most important thing. And, uh, that's what you need to recruit. That's what you need to motivate players. And that's coach Carroll's wheelhouse and his sweet spot is connecting to people and motivating people and getting people to accomplish a goal and share a struggle together and persevere whether you win or lose just persevere through it get better for it and then go get them again and so that's it's a special it's a special uh trait that he has to be able to do that and i don't know if i've met anybody like him you know we got to run and i know you got to run as well I, i could spend a lot longer on just this topic with you and and thinking about what he did with russell over the years running a completely different offense than certainly you guys ran at usc his ability to get the most out of russ and then when everybody thought he was an old fuddy-duddy to last year completely change that tune and have geno smith throw for nearly 4300 yards to bring out the best in what he does it's a fascinating topic and maybe uh if you're doing more seahawks games this year we can chat again because i would love to i'd love to talk through a little bit more of that about pete with you oh I'm absolutely game for it. I don't know if I got enough minutes on my cell phone. I got to check the bill here <laughs> because uh, that'll go on forever, man. No Just kidding. remember one thing: Mike Salk, Big Nickel. All right, don't Those do four that. Words. Mike don't do Salk, that. Big Nickel. No, I can't wait Salk, to tell Big Nickel. Whatever you do, I'm throwing oh, him under the bus. Bro. This, he's, he's toast. This is great. Just what I need, Mark. I was going to say really nice things too about <laughs> how much Mark. I enjoy you and Kugler, but appreciate I got to take man. it all back now. Thanks, man. We appreciate it. Uh, appreciate you guys. There we'll you go. There's Mark Later. Sanchez. Uh, 
That's he's one awesome. of those people. I never really liked Mark as a player. I love oh, talking oh, to well, him and listening to him. Well, he played for the Jets and stuff, so I was kind of anti-Mark Sanchez. God, I find him to be incredibly interesting and fun. Why don't you and... just let the guy get off the phone before you say something? Well, he was like a that. Jet. I don't like the Jets. It has nothing to do with him personally. Well, you just said that. You just said I didn't like Mark Sanchez. As, as a, a player, player. <laughs> he played for the Jets. More, did you like Mark Sanchez? No, absolutely There not. you go. Did you enjoy that few minutes? I enjoyed yes, the butt pump. <laughs> <laughs> no, he was great. He was, he was awesome. No, I, don't, I you don't have to. You can say no. It's okay. You can say you hate Mark Sanchez. Totally fine. No, I don't but, still. Well, but I'm see, with you. Back feels then, like I you did. Do. It feels like maybe you still do. Gosh, <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to be nice. Moore just hates Mark Sanchez. Uh, well, when I when I called him, I heard him saying goodbye to his kid, and I was like, Oh no! We <laughs> talked about the Albert Breer thing. We got to get that kid out the door. <laughs> he might start yelling at get you. Those kids out of here, right? What is it? What is it? I said to that guy years ago. Your your kid is killing me. We'll come right back here. How seriously should you take these Rams, including their backup left guard? It's Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710.